0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, today I have a treat for y'all. Uh, today's guest is an independent insurance broker and he is also the co-founder of Tent Hut, a nonprofit dedicated to housing veterans. Guys, please welcome to the show, Pedro De Leon. Pedro, welcome. Uh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you joining, uh, having me here on the show. That sounds great. Yes sir I know we've been trying to get this uh, interview down for a while so uh, yeah it's a, it's my yeah. pleasure to have you here. Uh Pedro for the guys listening at home just uh, just tell us a real quick thousand foot overview of uh, of who you are and uh, what you've got to offer the audience today.
1: Yeah absolutely so um yeah you know I've like you, like you mentioned I'm an insurance broker but I started my my insurance uh, uh journey in the financial services with uh, New York Life and Mass Mutual. And then decided to go independent after that because I was captive. Um, but during the process, is so it's I'm, I guess you could say my story has been really different from other financial advisors. I got into the raising capital for tech companies, something that I, don't, I didn't mention on my bio. Uh-huh. But um, I, some of my old clients were telling me like, "Hey, I don't want to invest into the usual, uh, uh, you know, uh, stocks and mutual funds and retirement things. But I want to I want to invest into something out there besides." there's uh programs that you guys you know provide and i was like well let me find out mm-hmm. anyways knowing me i've been curious just just um decided to go in and, and look around and so i'm being in los angeles at silicon beach and, and there's a lot of st- uh, tech startups and i dived a lot into that world for mm-hmm. years uh, so um, I got to learn a lot about the different uh, programs that meet different uh, VCs and angel investors and what they look for, you know? So, oh, okay. um, yeah. So I, I, when I say it, I'm, yeah, I'm an insurance broker, but is more into that, you know? So <laughs> I did a, did a lot of things, you know, worked with all the businesses as well. And there says helping them with um, scaling as well. So, yeah, uh, that's a little gist of me. And then of course the nonprofit world was, I'm I'm a vet that served 12 years in the army and decided to open a nonprofit for uh, veterans with my co-founder, mm-hmm. and he's also a vet. And so we struggled our our story. We struggled a lot as far as like transitioning. So my wife is also a veteran, and we struggle in in the sense of keeping a uh, a place to live because everything just didn't have the money, and uh, trying to make that transition was really difficult. Trying to get a have a job. And so, um, with the nonprofit Ten HUD, it was the idea to help veterans find that affordable housing because it's expensive. I, you know, you you're used to a certain way and how to live, and then coming out is just a whole different world. And so, we did that. Um, we I I as we structured a nonprofit as a for-profit nonprofit. Mm-hmm. uh profit owning a for profit business. And then I went into a, a couple of accelerators and incubator programs and raised money from investors uh to provide, you know, acquire some some real estate and and provide affordable housing for veterans. And so we started this whole movement um back then. And now you see a lot of people um trying to do the same thing and helping out vets because it's it's just needed. Right. So not just in California but everywhere else. Yeah. Why do you think that
0: the needs of veterans aren't properly accounted for by our
1: public spending? Yeah, so the it's the transition. So depending on the veteran who's been in, in service depending on how many years, mm-hmm. um, just you know, our focus right and as in and, and you can I look at us in business too, our focus was to train to be mission ready. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have to worry, worry about money. We didn't right, have to worry about right. where we're going to live, right? So um, coming out of the military, it's like, as an entrepreneur, you're wearing multiple hats. You're trying to figure out what are you going to do with your life, what I want to do when I grow up. So is, is, that exact, is that what you did when you came out of the military? You went straight to entrepreneurship? No. Um, well, yeah, somewhat. <laughs> somewhat, because I actually uh, I had a help from a sergeant who told me, about entrepreneurship and uh-huh. everything. So I, I started selling some insurance in, in on the side. Right. Uh, whenever I had the opportunity. But I never thought about being an entrepreneur. Right. I just thought about like making side money.
0: Right. That right. was my
1: side hustle money. Right. So, but most of us, you know, uh because we're so focused on our business, is that we didn't have the much the time to to make side income. And yeah. I was so ingrained in it. I mean, I served 12 years and that's the only thing I focused on. So it is difficult for us to make that transition in and say, okay, now you got to take care of yourself, you mm-hmm. know, you know, it's a whole different world for us, you know? so, yeah. And everything is just, um, it kind of slows down for us. And we like, okay, we don't, we don't like this. You know, So, <laughs> so, yeah. so how did, how did you go, how did you go through that yourself? And then, then
0: like evolve that into, uh, into a company, what was that process like for you?
1: Oh man. um, it's a little long story um <laughs> it's very different my approach to it has always been different uh-huh. I have an engineering mindset I was originally that's what I was majoring in engineering and mathematics okay and so my thoughts was um when I when I went to community college to start my entrepreneurship I mean entrepreneurship but just you know college period yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. after the military um I decided to um uh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Cause my, my doorbell is ringing. So I'm sorry about that, but okay, um, it's all good. yeah, uh, I decided, I decided to go, go to school and then I was sh- struggling with that, but I didn't realize, um, uh, why I wasn't, you know, retaining things. So mm-hmm. anyways, um, I did some research and I said, I need to figure out. What's what, what's some modalities that I can use in order to retain and, and just be you know, able to continue with school. right? So I went in the route of binaural beats. I got into this whole world of just like training my mind, so training my subconscious mind, mm-hmm. everything like that. And then so ever since then, I it helped me personal development, it helped me into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And when I got into entrepreneurship, I delved even more farther into, um, you know, uh, personal development. So it's just like this whole thing. And then it helped me a lot in, in being more aware of myself right and and then of course you know take take control take action on things i wanted to do you know so yeah
0: no i, to- I totally get it it's- oh that makes sense
1: yeah sorry because i <laughs> doorbell ring it's just you know
0: adds uh, part of life brother it don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it'll be fine it see it adds authenticity to the podcast it lets the listeners know we're real people yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so so yeah so yeah that was that was my process man (laughs) what about personal development then because it it, you know i didn't catch on to the personal development thing till a couple of years ago what what was that like for you discovering personal development and adapting that to your business
1: yeah um a lot of it had to do with i had a taste of it i started reading the book um uh, green uh uh thinking grow rich Uh uh-huh and i'll and I started doing kind of like an assessment of myself and said, what is that I can't, what is that I, I don't have? Or like, why can I work on myself? Mm-hmm. Because I'm seeing all these folks on, on, you know, social media and TV that like they're doing pretty good. Right, like, I right. want that. Right I grew up in a hood in the Bronx, in New York. Mm-hmm. And so we still, I used to sometimes go to Wall Street, just walk around as a kid. I was in high school, and I'm like just kind of imagining myself, like I'm I'm part of this. Oh
0: wow, yeah, and that so, would be awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. So, um, just very, you know, poor group, you know, poor family, and um, so when I started reading that book, and someone introduced me, and I just don't remember who it was. They, right. I, I started seeing like, okay, it's all about the mindset. But I wanted, to – and I dig deeper into that, and that's how I um, discover other modalities, and I discover other process that can help me with my journey and i was not worth thinking about business mm-hmm. and i just when i got into business i realized that how it's for me it was a a smoother process to adapt to changes mm-hmm. you know so that's how um my take on personal development has helped me a lot and because um my money story wasn't out of good at all i mean all i remember is being told gotta work hard for your money yeah. Um. You know. Um. Other. Other. You know. Some conscious things that I remember that have been told as growing up. So it didn't help me with my personal life at the moment. But I had to really work with def- uh, diligently in order for me to make those changes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Well. Well done on that. Um. Yeah.
0: So talk about because you said you sold insurance on the side for a little bit, yeah. and um. You know, before I was an entrepreneur, in in my teens and very early twenties, I. I I would always think about my side hustles while I was at my job and then I'd get annoyed with my job because I was losing money off of my side hustles by not being hustling. So how long did it take you to make that change from uh, from, from having a job and, and side hustling insurance to taking that leap of faith and jumping in and going all in on yourself?
1: What was that process like? <laughs> um, I just went with it. So as soon as I got out of the military, mm-hmm. I decided to go to college. And so it was just, you know, kind of my process. But I was like, I don't really want to work for anyone. Right. That's what I said to myself. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because I put so much time and effort and energy for the the, the military. And I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Because yeah. I, I uh, was supposed to. So one of the things that I was kind of like just sour about because I was supposed to send to a, a school. And they never did because of, there's budgets mm-hmm. in a company. So they were never sent me. So, all right, I'm just going to go do my own thing. So I left the military and went to college. And then after that, I said, I don't want to slave myself. <laughs> so, right, right. You just went ahead and just asked around questions, you know, asked around people, network, and then, you know, decided to just jump into entrepreneurship. So, you know,
0: so yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm curious. I'm going to pick a little bit at how you did it sure. because, you know, I've I've got friends in uh, insurance. I've worked in, in real estate for, for many years. Um, you know, just as in realtors, insurance agents have a, a very, very high turnover rate. I think it's about 90%. How did you yeah. make it through the first couple of years? And how did you, what techniques did you use to build your booker business so that maybe, maybe there's an insurance agent or two listening to this that could, uh, could use a little
1: help getting started? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me this question. Um, so let, let me break it down. I'm I'm lear- I'm thinking about this right because it's it's kind of more of a secondhand nature second nature for me. Well yeah. So yeah. And so one thing that I've learned um during this process is to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so during the beginning, I literally went to every event that was local in the cause I used to, um in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I started picking what um what events you know just saying okay this is all the events that exist i'm gonna go every at least every day if it's possible and just chambers whatever it is right Mm -hmm. and then from there i started i started to connect with good quality people i mean not you you know it took me a long time to build this right right. and with, with that i was starting i mean the first year was very difficult i mean i probably so like Four or five policies, honestly. Oh, wow. But I had some some money saved up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, but I built, I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna push through. And so I started building myself, uh, building a brand for myself and just connecting mm-hmm. with folks um with who I am as a persona. And then the second year it was a little easier. Um, reach out to them, just doing a follow up and and then went to more events. So, I want to say the first two and a half years was the difficult part because it was, first of all, I had no idea how that work works in the, in the business world. Mm-hmm. But I decided to say, you know what? I'm in the journey of learning. And I really pushed aside and said, if I don't make money, it's okay. But no one is going to take away my experience because right, that's what right. I remember. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I went with that process. And so from there, on my going on my third year, I, that's when I've learned how to find events and and how to really narrow down to my ideal client. Mm-hmm. And then I was invited to mansions and you know parties like closed parties and everything. And um and then that's how I was building my my clientele.
0: Yeah. You know, so. I- and I think it's it's because you sold Pedro as a person and you took an yeah. interest in the people. And then when they had a need for insurance, you know, you were their go-to. I think people look, they, they look past that far too much, uh, the importance yeah. of, of building relationships there. Um, yeah. And But as you say, it
1: took you how long? What, two and a half, three years? Yeah, for me, it took me almost two and a half years, three years, yeah, to, to get the ball rolling and people sending me referrals. What yeah. was what was the difference did you find between selling insurance to
0: anybody that needs insurance and mm-hmm. selling insurance to your ideal
1: client? What kind of difference did that make in your business? Yeah, uh, so the way it made a difference is that I was, people felt, um, what was that word, um, comfortable with me mm-hmm. as far as ex- telling them, telling me like, look, I have and this is what has happened to me several times and it's continuing happening mm-hmm. where people say hey I have a CPA okay. I have a bookkeeper or I have you know someone helping me but I feel like I can't trust them cuz it's very transactional mm-hmm. so they come and tell me everything open book and this and this and I come and help them with strategies that can help them you know, if I don't know it and I'll bring somebody within the team who who understands that specific, you know, challenge mm-hmm. and they are very open to that versus someone that says, look, I just need insurance. And I said, I can sell you insurance, but I really need to know what is your end goal with this, mm-hmm. you know? And so I don't want to end up selling someone an insurance and then down the road, they say, Hey, I heard about this, you know, and they just create a problem, you know, and to say that i forceful them sold them something or I didn't give them enough education so i like to break things down and understand what is the their situation in what is their goals and how i can help them get there and i'm honest if i can't help them then i said maybe you might want to look, look somewhere else you know so. <laughs> well i keep a big network so if i can't help
0: somebody i can always just refer them straight across and right. um i uh I don't ever take a fee. I always, uh, I always get it back in karma somehow. So it, uh, it all seems to work out well.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Man. So uh, my mind has gone totally blank. I was trying to remember the next question I had lined out for you, um, but no, it seems to have slipped my mind. So uh, we'll we'll have to skip to uh, to something else. Um yeah. Dude, I just remembered it. So the buzzword right now, and it's something that's got me kind of interested because you know, I'm looking for. A, a semi safe space to stack some money. But the buzzword right now is infinite banking. And I know that you are an insurance uh, broker. That's also an expert in infinite banking. So do you have a few minutes to talk the audience through infinite banking? Um, Maybe from as if they don't know anything about it. How about that?
1: Because the the whole thing, it it fascinates me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, infinite banking. So there is a lot of, um, most carriers don't do it. So, okay, let me take it back. So just know that if you're looking at something, be careful who you listen to, because most people think that this specific individual has like the tool for infinite banking and all this greatness, whatever you've heard, but the way infinite banking works is pretty much, um, using a, a, life insurance policy, where you fund it as much as you can and what it serves is serves for protection and also serves for uh, cash it builds a cash value so like think of it as a savings right and it has an interest rate um it depends on the company so it could be three three to four percent and so what happens and I can tell you from experience what people what my I've done with my clients before is that they usually get a policy of 10 years to 15 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And they come to me because most of them were were New York life or mass mutual. And they say, listen, I have, I have used this policy. I funded as much as I could. And now I want to tap into it. And so what they do is that they, let's say throughout 10 years, you actually have about a hundred thousand as an example, you want to buy a property, you mm-hmm. want to flip or buy a business or whatever it is that you want to do for that money. And you want to take 50, you know, you can take up to 85 to 90% of the money in a cash value. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you go ahead and extract that money, right? You borrow it, but you're borrowing the money out because you don't want to get taxed. Right. So they give you as a loan. It's usually the loans, depending on again, on the company mm-hmm. is between four to 6%. Okay. And it's simple interest, you know? So then you use the money, you can do whatever you want. And let's say I've seen this with my previous clients where they take the money, they flip it, and then pay back the money that they borrowed, mm-hmm. and they put it back into the into the policy, and that's how they were able to. Um, but again, you got to start in the beginning. A lot of people really wants to find you know the instant gratification. This is a this is a process. This is nothing that is going to happen overnight. It's just mm-hmm. build over over years, right? So, um, but if you have a lump sum, let's say if you exit exit your business then, you know, you can take that money and put it into a life insurance policy. Um, and of course, depending what carriers you go with, will give you the best bang for your buck. Oh, I hope that man. answered your question.
0: Yeah, it did. It kind of explain it. I think that it's uh, I think it's pretty neat that they've, they've
1: figured out how to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's another thing too that I've done in the past um, is, has been premium finance. Okay. And premium finance is someone that um you know have over assets over five million they're mm-hmm. making at least a 100, 150 thousand or more and then you use a 10 pay policy which which is um, uh just a 10 year policy uh-huh. and what they do is that they borrow money you know uh borrow money from a bank mm-hmm. to fund the life insurance and then at the, at the end of 10 years, there, you need, so in this process, you need an actuary person to kind of look at these numbers. And then from there, uh, the year 11 or 12, the, you can lapse the policy, meaning you can cancel the policy by taking the money out. Mm-hmm. But during those years, instead of, let's say, I'm just throwing numbers out here. Let's say you have to pay premium $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Now that's going to be less with using bank's money. And so, when and then and then from there after the ten years, the goal with the cash value mm-hmm. is to use the the money in the cash value to pay off the bank, and then take the rest. Right, right. You know, so that's how many people that's a premium finance, but have to qualify for it. You know, so yeah, yeah. It seems uh, it seems a little
0: bit a uh, little bit outside of my uh, outside of my pay grade. Um, no. How common is it for? people and you know entrepreneurs especially to be underinsured and ill prepared for uh, some of the 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 curveballs that life throws at us what do you find when you talk to uh, to business owners
1: yeah so usually you know we do an assessment on their business and when i go in i actually just don't focus just on insurance mm-hmm. i look at everything as a scope and so pretty much When we see them that they're underinsured, um, we'll we'll ask them, like, you know, tell me a little bit about this policy. Um, Do you even have uh, disability insurance in case um, you can't work for X amount of months because of some sort of injury or whatever? Mm -hmm. And so we ask, you know, during the process, we'll find out exactly what are some uh, risk mitigations that we can provide for them by using these policies. Um, And are they said, have they feel comfortable? And do they have enough cash flow to actually provide, you know, to continue paying these policies? And so we look at everything holistically. And most of the time I do see most entrepreneurs put that to the side, Mm -hmm. either they haven't started or they are just under, you know, underinsured. And a lot of it has to do because they're so focused on the daily, daily grind in their business. Mm -hmm. You know, so um, that's where we come in. But again, in order for me to speak the language, I like to understand the, holistically everything, what they're doing with the business, and then just kind of pinpoint and say, hey, listen some of, some of the gaps that we can fill up, help you, you know, put together um, and, and then help you have a steady business. And um, also, it, 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 you know, make yourself uh, be at the ready, like we say. Be on the ready for in case you know doomsday, <laughs> speak, right?
0: So was yeah. it Chris, was it Chris Rock that called insurance uh, in case shit,
1: something like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you
0: know, yeah. so so talking of talking of that, you know, fill us in with with some of the the misconceptions that the layman has about the insurance industry. What
1: are some uh, what are some myths that you can bust for us right now, Pedro? Uh. I'll give you one that is always here all the time. Um, uh, buy term and invest the difference. I, I hear that. I don't know if you heard that several times. Um, no, I'm just trying
0: to, I'm just trying to figure, it, figure out what it means. I, okay. I know buy so, term
1: invested. Buy term life insurance. Invest the difference. Well, the difference in what? I don't. Yeah, so invest the difference. So you use that whatever it is that you're paying. So instead of paying hundred dollars for whole life insurance, you're paying let's say thirty dollars, and then that 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 gap 70 dollars you probably invested into a mutual fund or to a stock oh. or to something else, whatever. So that's what they mean. That's That term came out a lot. I mean, uh, uh, what is his name? I don't remember his name, but he talks a lot about that. And I'm like, you know, it, it, I want to say that yes, it's good to have term insurance and I always help with my clients. So depending on the clients, I always say, you know, get term insurance if you can afford it, mm-hmm. um, uh, for whole life, just get term insurance. It's cheap. Right, and and the younger you are, the better. Yeah. So that's just start start young, you know. So, but if you're looking for an insurance portfolio, then get some whole life insurance. If your goal is to get that infinite banking, mm-hmm. then you know we can get your whole life, or you know some IUS can may work, and then get term insurance to protect your you know protect your, uh, yourself in case something happens, to your family will get the rest. You know. So we always usually package that together. You know, so that is a biggest myth myth. I mean, there is no right or wrong answer. It's just pretty much term insurance and investment difference if it's only for those individuals that are not cash flowing as much. Mm-hmm. And if you are cash flowing a lot, I mean, definitely you might want to get a uh, an insurance portfolio set up for you. Hmm. Hope that well. answers your question.
0: Well, I might have to think about that. You know, I'm actually, I'm I'm interviewing you for the audience, but I, I might just be making yeah. notes for myself over here too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I get it. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that what helped you get established in networking groups, um mm-hmm. sorry what helped you get established in insurance was was going to to networking groups do you have any advice for people that that really want to try going to networking groups but might just be a little bit too shy to uh,
1: to to push the boat out there yeah well first of all you can be shy <laughs> if you're in business, you cannot be shy. I mean, it's not going to. Uh, that's the truth. Yeah, uh, maybe yeah.
0: imposter syndrome. Then, like, because yeah. you walk into a networking group, and 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 I can speak on this, but I won't because it's your interview. But like, yeah. dude, when you walk into a networking group and you feel like an imposter, mm-hmm. and I'm now I'm an insurance agent. How how do you get how do you get
1: over that? There you go. That that should be the question. How do you get oh, yeah, a good question. Yeah, you know, I've dealt with imposter syndrome for so many years, but. Um, the, the, I've made this change in how I view myself mm-hmm. with everything because look, I am an insurance broker and this is like my bread and butter, but I have done deals. I raised capital nearly right. for tech companies. I've mm-hmm. actually um, raised money for myself, for my, for the business. I've been around circles with millionaires, multimillionaires, billionaires um, talking about exiting MA. Structuring, mm-hmm. you know, uh, debt funding. Dude, that been, sounds way more interesting than insurance. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I, like I said, I, I, that's something that I put in my bio, which I should. And that was part of my post syndrome, like, well, I did this, but, you know, should I talk about that? And Dude, the way I started. Everything. It's just a podcast, yeah. man. Yeah, Tell- so the way you the, the way you can start, well, if you want to go networking and you're starting out, you might want to look at yourself and say, what are my values? Mm. what is what is that it's holding me back why am I afraid to go and talk to someone so you test you need to start testing this out and these are the KPIs that I tell people even though you have a business and you do need to keep KPIs but you got to keep uh, take KPIs on yourself mm-hmm. what is your key performance indicators for yourself as far as like if I went to an event today and I didn't do so good or what is or what are the three goods and the three improvements because that's what we do in AR in the military, mm-hmm. and. And if you're going to go, if I'm going to go tomorrow and say, what did I do today that I can improve on and do it tomorrow? So you have to give yourself that, um, uh, you know, uh, that push. Yeah. You're going to tell yourself the value. So I always reminded myself, well, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not, you know, I'm a brand new agent, but what I can do is what if I hear someone's pain point? and maybe i can connect them with someone that might be able to solve their problem. So that's how i also start, that's how i really started my my um my journey in networking and i was able mm-hmm. to connect with the right people. Yeah, dude, that's exactly that's all I heard. how i do it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly how i do it. And uh yeah. you know,
0: the more you walk into those networking rooms, the uh, the better you get. Um yeah. you know, i i make i, I made it a point when i was going to them to Introduce myself to a minimum of three people and you know in a room full of 30 that sounds easy But for an introvert, it, it can be quite overwhelming. So uh, yeah. yeah guys uh, if you're struggling with that Just just try to do a couple at once and see how you uh, see how you get
1: along Yeah, absolutely, you know, so that's um again you measure you have to measure your, <laughs> your performance <laughs> You know, so like
0: As you measure your performance, you know mm-hmm. sometimes you see things going going wrong. Mm-hmm. How do you manage setbacks or failures in business when you come across them? I know we all have different ways to deal with the
1: the lessons of life. What are some ways you manage uh, when you get a setback? Yeah. Um, I want to tell you, honestly, in the beginning, man, I didn't take it well. <laughs> I didn't take it well at all. None I, of us do. No. You know, so, and, and I'm being honest because a lot of people might want to shy away of speaking about this. I don't mind about it. Cause in the military, we were taught that when you fail, you fail and that's it. I mean, you got bodies mm-hmm. and we don't want that. Mm-hmm. And so in, when I was in business, I kind of took that, I kind of used that same mentality.
0: Oh wow. If I
1: fail like shit, no, no, I gotta, you know, this is, and I took it really bad, you know, um, yeah, I can, but I can I've, imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said to myself, if I'm whatever next step that I'm going to do, Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I cover all my bases and I won't stop until I win, you know? So that's the mentality. And if, and now I don't see things as failures, but I see things as, um, you know, a, I forgot what the word is, but it's more of, um, experience. Yeah. It's a lesson.
0: Yeah. Lesson.
1: There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So (laughs) like, yeah, so like life gives you the
0: test and then teaches you the lesson. School yeah. gives you the lesson and gives you the test. So life, life yeah. very much, uh, very much different from school. What, what would yeah. you say one of the hardest
1: lessons you had to learn was? What in life? Period. Um, uh, <laughs> I want to say that's a good. <laughs> Sorry, man, good I'm putting one. you on the
0: spot. You know. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. Because I was, uh, I was I you know, it could be life. I, I, I meant kind of as an entrepreneur, but definitely life. Yeah. Life is better
1: than life's a part of business too. So yeah. So this helped me this helped me really take off with my business um and in everything that I've been doing um to this day. um I dropped my ego. Yeah. That's a I hard my one. ego. That's a hard yeah. one, dude.
0: Especially for yeah. the the way you're brought up and the way you're trained in the military. That's yeah. a that's a really How did you, man how did you manage to set that down? Was was there something that caused it or a lot of people yeah. don't wake up and say I'm a, I'm going to drop my ego, dude. Like f- <laughs> for
1: me it happened by getting sat on my ass. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I'm going to tell you why. So, um, um, how actually and why too as well. But w- when I was in the military, and I want to say this because this most if veterans are hearing this, you know, the keep in mind is the ego really makes you break it, right? Someone, but usually you fail if you want to go in business. Mm-hmm. And so, when I was, uh, when I was in the military, out of the military, man, my ego was, um, I served 12 years. I was in charge of X amount of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, was in charge of of equipment that was worth over millions of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, I, 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 I know better and how dare you talk to me or whatever, you know, so I had this like crazy mentality about, so most of us have that. It's really rare. Some of us are, most of them are humble mm-hmm. when they get out of the military, but, um, so I used to hear this from my friends and he say, Look, bro. Like, you have an ego, man. Like, he was a ranger guy, you know, a special forces guy. He's like, you got an ego, and I was like, really? But I never really saw that I really had an ego. It's just my my mm-hmm. attitude. Yeah. And so I I, I did too. Like, I yeah. I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. And so and then I um I've been in different scenarios when he, and he even tells me like, look, when you walk in, people can tell that you're an alpha. Mm-hmm. But I never I was like, oh hell yeah. But then I realized. If I want to, oh. if if I want to connect with people and this is how I started, if I want to connect with people, I don't want people to con- perceive me as an a-hole mm-hmm. or like, you know, cause most, 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 most people that haven't big as ego that they're a bunch of a-holes. So, you know, and, um, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it we think, say that as I've been veterans. perceived
0: as that before, you know? Yeah. Like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So most veterans are, I like that. So, <laughs> um, but then I, I started learning more about emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. started watching videos you know maybe read a book a couple of times but mostly videos that i saw and i said i want to empathize because i'm a kind of aesthetic person so i learned by um, doing things mm-hmm. but I'm, i can perceive people's emotions too so i can send someone who's bothered and without even them noticing they're bothered I, it's just a whole different story we can talk about that but <laughs> um you know i started reading body language i learned about body language training i did some things of that nature and and then I said, okay, I want to connect people people with people authentically. I want them to feel at ease with me. I'm a big guy. And, you know, now people say, yeah, this guy is like a a a, a big teddy bear, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but before that was like, damn, I'm, I'm afraid. And, I, and a lot of it too, because I had to put this like, you know, this energy around me because I grew mm-hmm. up in the hood. It's like, you know, I was... You know, we had to just defend myself you know? and yeah. I had to put this like energy and, and act a certain way, you know, mm-hmm. but, but in business, it made me change that because it's like, I'm not threatened. I'm not getting shot at nothing. So, you know, I want to really make people feel welcome. And then, so that's how it kind of started for me. Uh, you know, so that's mine.
0: <laughs> Did My business, I, yeah. I firmly believe that you receive whatever energy you put out. Yeah. The, the problem is like, you know, you were raised- at having to put out a defensive energy constantly, you know. Yeah. I I was raised in an area of high unemployment, so I was I was raised around a, a constant negativity about work and about employers. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's very strange how you receive what you put out. Um, yeah. But anyway, let me pull up more questions. Oh goodness. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Goodness, I never know what to ask you know I'm like is, is, is the conversation going to be interesting for the listeners because it's certainly interesting me and it seems to be interesting yeah. you I just hope <laughs> so, yeah,
1: I, I'm hoping I hope I'm making it interesting <laughs>
0: yeah dude tell me about some times that you've done some fundraising for capital because one of the questions mm-hmm. I see um a lot on on some of the small business forums I'm a part of is I want to get some capital how how, how do I go about it and I point them to some tutorials, and I send them over to uh, to Slidebean to create their own pitch decks and stuff. And I just kind of push them that way a little bit. But yeah. I don't really, um, I don't really fundraise for other things. I've I've fundraised very successfully for some of my own businesses. Um, yeah. So when somebody comes to you and you say,
1: "I want to fundraise for a business," what's some advice that you give to them just starting out? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually made a reel about this, and it was a really quick reel under a minute. But uh, essentially, and I, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be upfront with this: if you have an idea and you want to raise money for the idea, no one is gonna throw money at you. I'm just being honest because it's I've seen this. True. Yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I've been around angel investors, VCs. PE firms, private equity firms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most PEs don't invest into startups, but like the angel investors, they do. But the one thing that they want to look at is well, actually several things. Um you when when you have an idea, they want to make sure that you actually worked in worked in your idea, mm-hmm. right? And they want to see at least an MVP, a minimal viable product. Yes. And if you don't have that, they're just gonna tell you just go back and yes. go work on it, right? So, um, and they're very man. They're pretty really like you know they are a bunch of a holes. That will tell you. You, you put it that.
0: much <laughs> kinder than I did. You did like you put it so much <laughs> kinder than I would have done because like yeah. you know I get so many people have a business plan. And it's, it's like two bits of paper stapled together. I'm like, <laughs> I, I love you and I really want to help you. And this is not how this uh, not how this works. Um, yeah. But but you know, I like that Shark Tank show. I like that, yeah. Yeah. and I think that if if people looking at saying how do I get funding, if they just watched a few episodes of that, and they could see that hey, these people are coming for funding, and they've got this 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 and this, and yeah. everybody's everybody's already got a product, everybody's already got sales numbers, everybody's already done market research, you know, every, like yeah, just the day of I, the days of putting together a two page business plan and getting it funded, I think are, are just. I think that's
1: just all made up. Yeah. You know, and I definitely want to touch on this, right? So let's say if you do really have a great idea and then you say, I'm going to be building this, the first process of anything, when it comes to the, especially in the tech tech, you know, business mm-hmm. tech startups, you want to, re, you want to start at the end. What is the problem you're solving? Mm-hmm. You know, and then also look around and see if any companies are doing it or not. If they are, and they've got funded. And that's a great opportunity uh, indicator mm-hmm. say, for you to actually start working on this. And so um, pitch deck is really important. Financial projections. Yeah. Don't 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 say my valuation is X amount of money, <laughs> you know, and then yeah. they're gonna ask you like, where did you get this valuation? Especially if you're not even in in, in you know, you're in pre-seed, mm-hmm. like you're not even making any money. How do you come up with this valuation? So um the biggest importance, and I've been hearing this for years, the biggest problems for most startups is that they don't have a lead generation. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, it is all about leads, right? You need to get clients in. But most don't think about that. They think so much about the product and how it's going to change the world. But it's like, mm-hmm. you got to go out there and make sure you bring these people in. You know, how are, are you collecting emails and doing a wait list or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. So um, the other part that I'm seeing is too, is that the savvy bootstrappers, and we call these are the ones that are able to raise money on their, on their own by mm-hmm. clients. And then- and then you will They, I've seen this where they VCs will go to them and say, Hey, listen, I want to invest in your business, but now they can, they, they can say yes or no. Mm-hmm. And, and these VCs will do whatever it takes to invest in their business because they see that that model has been working for them. Mm-hmm. And they are and of course, they are probably making a million or $2 million if they want to grow to multi millions, you know, VCs can help you there, but you know, they can, they, they can actually make the decision. Yes or no. So, um, what was I going with this? I totally forgot, man. But anyway, <laughs> you know, but it, I can talk all about this, man, because I've been in this world for so long and I can tell you that um, most people, oh yeah, when when you're raising money, that's another problem too. Just because you're raising money is not a, a you, you should celebrate, you know, good job, but it's, right. it doesn't stop there. I have seen so many startups that have literally, literally spend millions and $2 million in garbage. And now they get blacklisted. And now you're going to go out there and go raise money. Good luck with that. What do they spend,
0: What can you spend $2 million on? And, and They not-
1: they misspend on hiring people. Then they end up buying like these, like, you know, getting these like big ass offices mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Little things like that adds up. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. then they're going to go out there and trying to raise more money. I'm like, look, are you in the business of raising money? Or are you just really want to take this business, you know, to the next level? Like, and, and so some of them are, you know, got blacklisted. Some of them, you know, they can get away away with that. But, um, you know, and, and most people, and like they said, you know, um, wow. for angel investors, man, they they're literally playing, um, they're gambling, right? Because right. they, you know, so they look at your team. Oh yeah, the team management is. That's what I was gonna say. The team management is really important. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna raise money from an investor, they want to look at your team, your your your, your team. Oh, your board of advisors. If you don't have anyone and you're just a solo, you're not. Yeah, good luck, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 you make a good
0: point. So um man, this has been a real fun interview, dude. I think I'd like to talk to you more uh, a little bit after the show about that sure. uh, build-outs for small businesses because um, I've recently pivoted and picked up several clients and I'm building out digital infrastructure for multiple startups right now. So uh, it's, uh, it's, oh, fun. Fun. it's it's fun being the small business surgeon. I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying it. So what else, Pedro? Um, I I do have a couple of questions that I normally ask as we wrap up interviews, okay? So um, they're they're pretty easy. The first one we'll get into is this show uh, is aimed at guys that are behind us in the years of business experience. They're aimed at the guys that are coming out of the military and looking at starting insurance brokerages. They're they're aimed at the guys that, that are a few years back there. If you could go back and talk to them right now, What's one piece of advice that you'd want to give
1: somebody that's uh, just getting started? I just getting started. Um, if you're gonna start a business, any kind of business, make sure um, you you put you you hire someone who's gonna do your marketing. Mm-hmm. If you're look, if you have some money stashed a little bit, or you happen to get a loan. Make sure you get a good marketing team, mm-hmm. someone that can actually s- automate your business, um, your CRN system, your advertisement, all that stuff, because you got to put yourself out there, you know, um, as a business. Mm-hmm. But also you got to do it for your own personal. Yes. You know, you you know, like how we do it in Apex, you know, build yeah. your machine. You got to mm-hmm. put content out there by yourself. Mm-hmm. Things that you learn. It doesn't matter if you're brand new. Just say, hey, you know, the, I learned about this. Um, what do you guys think? You know, yeah. you're just throwing, you know, something out there, I, but I, you I, have to build a brand. Absolutely. And can I add to
0: that? For the love yeah. of God, don't pick the cheapest marketing company, <laughs> pick oh, <no>. the one, <laughs> pick the one with the references, call around, ask, ask for references. Um, yeah. dude, I was shocked to understand that the average marketing company client relationship is under six weeks.
1: Oh wow! I was I shocked that. at that. So yes,
0: wow. uh, amazing advice though. God, most entrepreneurs don't know anything about CRMs and lead generation and follow up mm. or anything else, and uh, that's that's why I oh, had yeah. a job. You know? <laughs> follow up is. Follow-up is key. <laughs> Follow-up is key. Yeah. And, you know, that, yeah. that's literally why I have a job is, is helping entrepreneurs understand that. So, uh, dude, I yeah. have one last question for you, Pedro. Um, number sure. one, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us for the last 45 minutes or so, dude. It's been, uh, it's been fun learning about you and learning about all the stuff you do. So last question for those guys that have enjoyed the show and want to follow along with you. Where can they find you online
1: and uh, where can they reach you to talk about insurance and uh, infinite banking stuff? Yeah. So, um, you can actually, so I'm pivoting my business I not to talk about this. That's a lot of information, but in, <laughs> until, you know, 45 minutes, but, um, you can actually find me on LinkedIn P mm-hmm. DeLeon jr. You okay. Can find me. Um, it says on, on my little tab, it says, uh, business acquisitions. Okay. Um, so my business partner and I, we're both veterans and we actually looking to acquire businesses uh, ourselves. Um, so that's a whole different story. So that's what we, where we're looking, we are at. The phase right now. So, well, man, we need to yeah. bring
0: you on again in a year's time and get an update interview for yeah. how the new company's going, have, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to do that. All right, pal. Hang around after the show for a minute, guys. That was yeah, sure. uh, Pedro Delio Junior. Pedro, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. No,
1: oh, thank you. Thank dude, you for having
0: me. All right, guys, if you have liked what you've heard today, run along, follow the link in the show notes and go show Pedro some love. And of course, you can show us some love, share the show, it's how we grow. Tag us in your posts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Small Business Surgeon. All right, you'll be good. Stay safe and I will see you later on this week. Bye.